the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Hey guys, welcome back to the One Two Football Podcast. I'm Nathan, and today we're giving out our Premier League End of Season Awards. Unfortunately, Kieran cannot make it today, but as usual, I'm here with Ollie. How are you? Well, we've got the best one still, so that's all right. But yeah, now nah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm good. I'm good. Um, no, no uh, Spurs rubbish uh, awards given out today. Then by looks of it, so yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm all right. I mean, I'm a bit fuming with Trevor Sinclair on Talk Sport saying that United need a six-point deduction for uh, playing team members that are registered to the Premier League. It's it's just. It's, yeah. Crazy. As a Liverpool fan, I thought it would be a good thing to get your point of view. Because obviously it's annoying because it did give Leicester yeah. an easier task. But I mean, they still made hard still made hard work of it. 2-1. I saw that and I thought we were going to get absolutely yeah. fast. So, yeah, what do you think it's about a t- It's a tough... Uh, it's, uh, uh, there's no punishments you can have for it because it, if they're, they're your players. They're registered for United Football Club. They get to play if they, if they want to. Um, it's, a t- it's an annoying situation for United as well because they're playing Tuesday and Thursday. So, I mean, I can understand... How they'd be annoyed, Solskjaer probably fuming, but it's, it is a bit inconvenient probably for, you know, we've struggled enough. Now we have to play your first team on Thursday. I, I'm not ready for that. With, with Fabinho and centre-back, so I'm not looking forward to that yet at all with, our, with no holding the field. But, but bring it on. I think people need to realise, and Travis Sinclair needs to realise, is that we didn't want, as fans, and I'm sure Oli didn't want to have to put out that weakened team. It's not something we wanted to do. It's something we've been forced to no. because of the way that it's gone. And yeah, okay, you can say we're forced to do it because of our fans, you know, protesting. But we, the fans had all the right to protest against the owners of what's gone on and stuff. So I don't think you can turn and say, you know, it's punishment because of what they did. Um, because number one, it wasn't the players' fault and it wasn't the club's fault, it's the fans. But it's not their fault either. They're doing what they should be doing and protesting the, the outrageous ownership of some clubs. So I think it is a bit unfair and nobody wanted it. But I mean, a six-point deduction is just a bit, it's just a bit babyish to say that. I yeah, mean, no, no, yeah. It's talk some, sport, it's... Yeah, they're, they're signed up to the club. If That's just like saying you can't play your players outside your main 11. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, um, little rant over for that. And I'm glad to see a Liverpool <laughs> fan agrees that it's a bit stupid. That's the thing with TalkSport. It's all, I don't want to obviously be too mean, but a lot of it is dri- driven for engagement and to get fans talking and to get people maybe a little bit angry with the with the pundits they have on there, like Jamie O'Hara. And I can't remember his name, but the one who's from Crystal Palace. Simon Jordan, I think. But what they say, they, they, you can tell it's kind of like, but go on, interact with this, talk with this. You know, they say something that is just a bit outrageous and people bite like like you have to say. I was going to say, I, say <laughs> I, quite, I quite like it to be honest. I like listening to it because it's, it's just a, some most stuff that goes on there. It's just people with ludicrous views or in my opinion, ludicrous views. Um, yeah. I, I do like it. It's just, it is what I it was is. watching. That particular one made me a bit mad. <laughs> I heard a horrible take. Yes, I was watching, Um, you know, let's, I don't have BT, but you know, I don't look at streams. But I, I, let's say I was watching this thing. I, um, where they was, it was Richard Keyes and, and Andy Gray, and, and you know they're, they're old people. And Key, I don't know why, but Richard Key was so certain that Leicester could get Calvert Lewin for thirty million. And I was just watching it, and I was like, "Oh my God, what are you on about?" He was like, "He'll want to play for Leicester in the Champions League." It's like this, no, 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 Richard. And Andy Gray was like, "What? What are you on about?" <laughs> he was so certain of it. They kept talking about it before the game. I was like, "Oh my God." 30 million. That's just the signing fee of an English player, let alone the ability of the player. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely, absolutely I couldn't hard. believe what I was hearing. 
But today we're giving out our Premier League awards just before we get into it. It's player of the year, young player of the year, which is under 23s, 23s only, because that's how they do it with, with the PFA one. Signing of the season, manager of the season, the biggest surprise player of the season, can be good or bad, you can interpret that either way, and the most improved player, so a player that wasn't so good last season, but now is. And let's get into it. So we had the Monday Night Football um, Awards with uh, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. We had the Brits for us last night, so Tuesday. But now for the most important awards, it is, of course, the 1-2 Football Awards, which everyone's absolutely ecstatic about. So let's start with the player of the season. I'm not even going to go around the house this. I think it's very obvious um, who was the player of the season. Easily can also be the signing of the season. Um, but it's uh, Ruben Diaz for me for Manchester City. He has, I'm not going to say he's, he's not single-handedly won them the title because it's an it's amazing quality depth in that team. But he was the missing piece of the puzzle that Pep has needed for so long in the defence. And he's been absolutely outstanding. And it pains me to now say that, obviously, Man City and um, Liverpool Van Dijk have got the two best centre-backs in the league as a Man United supporter. But they have. And, and Diaz, you know... You could arguably say that he's better than Van Dijk in certain aspects. Um, and it's easier to say now with Van Dijk being out injured, but he's been amazing and he is most definitely my player of the season. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I've got Ruben Diaz as well. I mean, he has done what Van Dijk did to Liverpool to Man City. He's transformed them back into the team. Because people forget, even though they came second last year, Man City weren't good last season. They, they struggled a lot. And I mean, no one was good compared to Liverpool last year. Because, I mean, there was just so... It's just, it was such an incredible season for them. But Man City were poor. And Diaz has proven to everyone that, you know, all of a sudden, Man City, once Man City get it right, they get it right. That's how it tends to be with all their players. And, and they've got it right, Ruben Diaz. Um, it could have, for honourable mentions, for me, I've gone with um, Jack Grealish, has had an amazing season this year. For Aston Villa kind of carried them into the positions that they've been in. Phil Foden is, is an easier shout for this for me. And maybe even, I mean, you could name about five or six Man City players. You know, Gundogan could finish out. Even De Bruyne in the limited minutes he's had has been, and limited, I mean limited. Not exactly limited, but he's been injured. Um, but he's been he's been very good. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes has been Man United's main player. That Even if he's not playing too well, he's there. He's the match winner. And that, and that makes you an important player. And also, Mason Mount has been such an important player for Chelsea this year. Um, has been someone that... Chelsea, even when Lampard, they were struggling a bit, they have looked towards for, for that bit of quality, that bit of spark. But for me, Ruben, he can't look past him. He, for me, still the second best centre-back in the league, but it will be interesting to see now, because Van Dijk's on his road back to recovery, how they match up next season in terms of how their teams perform and all of that. It's a bit, for me, it's a bit of a biased view because obviously we've been seeing Diaz play for this season and we haven't seen Van Dijk really play for quite a while now. So it's kind of, I could, you kind of forget it and you just bet, in my mind, I'm putting Diaz ahead of him because I haven't seen Van Dijk in such a while. But I mean, I think the easiest way to you know say how important Van Dijk is is by looking at the disastrous defending sometimes throughout the season Liverpool have had, which yeah. just shows you the gap which um, has been left by his absence. But, you know, they're both quality, quality defenders. Um, and, yeah, Diaz is out-and-out out player of the season for, for me and by the sound of it for you as well. So, moving on. Do you want young to go player. first? You want to go for yeah, you? young player of the year. I'll start with the honourable mentions, who it could have been. Um, I know, I think you've got a few for this one, haven't you, young player? I've got one honourable mention. I, I, one. You might say it, to be honest. Um, so, for me... I, I thought in kind of the, the fourth place, I mean, this uh, Bukayo Saka from Arsenal has been a real spark for them in what's been an awful season uh, in Arsenal, a bit crap, but he is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, Fofana from Leicester, really impressive, um, has been a real important part to how Leicester have, have got in the top four and look probably set to stay there now, but still maybe let it slip. But 
looks like they're going to be there come the end of the season. He's been such an important part. And some of his displays while fasting during Ramadan have been so impressive. Someone that isn't, you know, having a lot of food or any food or water for a long period of time. The other one is Mason Mount. I didn't even realise he was 22. Um, he's <laughs> He's been, um, again, as I said with the thing, he's been excellent. But he missed his out just slightly. And I mean, this is a hot debate for the Euros anyway. Who's, who could start Mason Mount or the man that I've given the young player of the year to, and that's Phil Foden. I just don't know many players better than him at that age in world football right now. And for that, I, he has to get the award. He's so he's turned himself into a very important player for Man City. You know, when it looked like he was going to be another Sancho at times, where he wasn't going to get the minutes that he perhaps wanted, but he's come in and earned his place. He's, he's also established himself in the England team, minor slip-ups aside alongside Mason Greenwood. But aside from that, will definitely more than likely be at the Euros. Hopefully Greenwood will be at well, as well. If Greenwood had carried on this sort of run of form he's on now for a bit before, he'd have definitely been in there as well. But Phil Foden for me, England's best youngster, arguably the best youngster in the world. Maybe Haaland gets in the front, maybe Mbappe, if we still consider him that. But yeah, Phil Foden for me, what about yourself? I mean, going off that, I think Haaland and Mbappe obviously are better. Um, but I think, you know, he is he's a great player. Um, Saying Greenwood there, I was going to say he's had a tremendous um, sort of recovery towards the end of the season, you know, getting goals scored last night for us um, in the Man United-Leicester game. Um, yeah, he's been great, but obviously he's not been that solid player the whole way through the season that we know he could have been and that he was last season. Um, one of my on wrenches that you haven't mentioned is Pedro Neto. I know he's injured now and he's not yeah. been the biggest, but he's been, he's still young and he's been a quality player for Wolves um, in a play, time that they're really lacked sort of attacking depth. But mine is Mason Mount. You mentioned him. 22 years old, you completely forget um, that he is so so young. He's kind of the opposite to Jesse Lingard. When everyone thought he's young, but he's actually old. Everyone thinks Mason Mount's old, but he's actually young. Um, it's incredible. Uh, five assists and six goals. Not the m most crazy of stats, but you just look at how important he was under Lampard. Everyone was saying, you know, oh, he's Lampard's son. He's this little thing. He's not going to play under Tuchel. You know, he's, he's overrated. And he has proved so many people wrong. He's been incredible um, under Tuchel and yeah, there's not much more you can say about him. He has just been incredible. Um, and yeah, you know, you could have had, I could have said what you said, but just his, the Ch I feel like with Man City, you have so many good players and obviously you do at Chelsea, but Mason Mount's been more pivotal, I think, in Chelsea's form. And that's why I picked Mason Mount for my young player of the season, which is crazy because I honestly thought he was older. <laughs> I think you could have either or really with, with Foden or Mount because they're just so good. And uh, Mount, Mount has proven everyone wrong. I, I always thought he was like a good, he was always good, more than just Lampard's favourite player. I mean, Lampard had him at, Ch at Derby, sorry, before at Chelsea. So, of course, there was that relationship there. But he is just so good, and he he looks like one of those players that is just like a dream to work with as a manager that is is ready to fill in at a few different roles, versatile, ready to learn. Kind of in that, not obviously not the same player, but in that Watkins mould where you can just see they learn so much in their state. They've obviously they're smart players and they can take on information and make your team better. And I think, you know, I don't know who's going to start in the Euros, but I mean, Mount and Foden have made that attacking midfield position like kind of one of England's most in-depth positions early on alongside Grealish and Madison as well. I was trying to think through that last one, was, was Madison, but that, that position now is, is so stacked and it probably wasn't about three years ago, two years ago. So, so fair play to them. Both have made excellent progress. In terms of signing of the season, Ollie, what what have you got down for them? Signing of the season. I had manager of the season. Next, I was all fed to manager, but sign of the season. Um, <laughs> carrying on from what you kind of said, I I think one honorable mention's got to go to Ollie Watkins. I mean, 
I had him as my young player until I realised he was 25. He's older than you think, or I thought anyway. Um, but Watkins, he's been amazing for his first season um, in the Premier League. Um, he's really taken it in his stride. Um, and he's been really, he's been, you know, a major part of a, a really good Aston Villa side this season. But my signing of the season could be, you know, you might turn around and say no, but I feel like he's proved out as wrong as well. I'm pretty sure Gary Neville did the same. It's Cavani. Um, you could have had so many players, and you really can. You can have Diaz and stuff like that, but I've already put him in one position, don't want to do another one. But Cavani for me, Signing of the season, not necessarily because he's had the biggest impact at Manchester United as other signings have at other clubs. But for me, Cavani, I've said this, I said this to so many people in the last couple of days, he's probably the smartest footballer that I've ever seen play football. He literally is the epitome of saying, make the ball do the work. And, and for me, that's why he is the signing of the season. You, yeah, players have definitely had a bigger impact as a new signing. But for me, watching him play has been an absolute delight. I'm over the moon he signed. Uh, a new one-year extension and a bit of bias maybe from Man United yeah. but, <laughs> but he is he's an incredible player and it's an absolute delight to watch and um, yeah 15 goals this season for a player that everyone thought was past it and a, and a you know a panic buy but for me he's been incredible and yeah I'll take the bias and I'll take the the slack here and I'll take the you know the abuse coming my way but Cavani has been an absolutely incredible player so he's my sign of the season. Yeah, yeah, I don't agree that he's been signed to me, but I can't disagree that he's not been a very good signing for Man United. He's definitely been such an integral part of it. You know, Man United don't really have a number nine, really, when you think about it. Cavani is that player off the bench. They don't really have one off the, off the start. For me, I've I've gone a bit different. I've, I've looked. I've got some old benches. I'll just say my sign this season. I mean, he's the player of the season, so it only makes sense he's the sign this season for me. Ruben Diaz is the is the best sign of the season because he has made Man City very good. We've already spoke about it. He has made Man City so good. And made John Stones a lot better as well, and respect him for that because John Stones looked like he was struggling. It's kind of similar to me. I don't, not Joe Gomez. Matip was probably a better example for Liverpool of someone that perhaps struggled on their own, or with being the sole experienced member of a back four, but has, has proven that he can make them players. When Van Dijk came in, Matip came a lot more solid, and he made Lovren a bit better as well. And, and Diaz has done the same for, for Stones. My honourable mentions. Um, I'm pretty sure Emmy Martinez was born this summer. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's been, <laughs> yeah, been quality as well. Yeah, he finished at Arsenal, didn't he? he? And got the move to, to Aston Villa. Yeah, he was. He was. He's been excellent um, for for Aston Villa. The reason, probably why a big reason to why they're there, um, along with obviously Contra and Mings, but they weren't new signings, hence why Martinez gets in. Jesse Lingard has been a real great bit of business from West Ham when it looked like he was down and out, and you know, I know he'd been struggling with with some mental health things that he, he's been quite open about, and, and fair play to him for that. But he's proven everyone wrong. Just got Moyes gave him that platform that he needed, and he's he's exactly delivered. And I'm staying on West Ham. I'm pretty sure he was brought in permanently this summer. There's Thomas Suchet coming he this was, summer permanently. He was on loan. Yeah, he was. Um, I think Jamie Carragher's um, signing off the season on Monday Night Football. Actually. Okay. I think, and I saw that, and I was like, was he only this season? So you probably are. Right. I was. I was like, has he got that wrong? But I mean, yeah, maybe what he maybe he was on loan. Brought I him think back. he was on loan last season, permanent. This one again. West Ham have been so good, and, and they, perhaps they've been a bit under the radar because they've they maybe slipped up a little bit recently. But Thomas Suchek, just I mean, had anyone ever heard of him before during West Ham? No, but he's proven to be one of the one of the most reliable centre mids in the Premier League for kind of everything in a box to box way. Can score goals, can tackle, can set up goals. So him and Lingard both both been great for West Ham and the reason why they're there. But I can't look past Ruben Diaz, unfortunately. I wish I wish I was saying Thiago. I wish I was saying Thiago, but it's not turned out that way. It's a bit. It is a bit like controversial. I agree. Diaz has been 
the signing of the season, but I didn't want to give multiple awards to the same people. So I kind of, you know, just one I named one, I sort of eliminated it from the other one, which, you know, can say, oh, it's not going by the awards, but I wanted it to be spread out and that's why Cavani beat it. But yeah, Diaz definitely the signing of the season, but you got my play of season, so Cavani's going to get, um, get my signing of the season. But yeah, Jesse Lingard, another amazing shout, but, you know, he, he only was it, what, January was it? Um, and so I kind of did long-term wise, but yeah, he's been incredible um, at West Ham as well. I just thought of two off the top uh, that I could have also said. Edward Mendy from Chelsea, you know, he's having proper goalkeeper problems and he came in and has asserted himself as the number one. And also um, Diego Jota from, for, for Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool have had a miserable season really compared to last season, of course. But in terms of what has been an incredibly predictable front three and has kind of fell off from out of nowhere, really, he's been a, a spark for, for Liverpool this season. And would it have been interesting to see how you would have done if he didn't get injured? Because obviously Jota came back yeah. and kind of inspired your attack a bit more. So if he didn't get injured, you know, you might not be, it might not be the sort of, ah, oh, you know, Leicester have been given a, you know, a bit of a helping hand there because of the weak team by United. You might not have even needed that because, you know, he could have inspired the attack and score more goals. But, you know, he has been, he has been a great signing as well. I can't deny that. There's so, there's so many what-ifs for Liverpool this season. I mean, we can get onto this in another podcast, but what if Joe Gomez and Matip stayed fit? What if, you know... Fabinho didn't have to play after the season in centre-back. What if Klopp trusted other players except Henderson to play centre-back? Um, and then, so, I mean, Liverpool's season has been just a mixture of bad luck and bad performances. Um, and if Jota hadn't stayed fit, we was top at Christmas, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Liverpool were like top. We beat Crystal Palace 7-0 and we was looking great. And then all of a sudden, fell, fell off I mean, the, the face you, of the earth. I did at Christmas time. I mean, like Southampton were top of the league at one point. So, I mean, everyone had their bill. Yeah, but we was like, yeah, we was top. Like, we, we wasn't. We've been playing well, winning games, but yeah, I don't know what happened. But moving on from from Liverpool's problems, uh, Klopp is certainly not going to be what we mentioned in this one. But manager of the year, who have you got Ollie, for this one? I mean, we've talked about this club a lot in the past. You know, five minutes. I'm just going to go straight in. It is for me. It's David Moyes at West Ham. Um, they were 16th, I think, finished last season to fifth currently. Uh, now, um, I think he's done an amazing job. Obviously, he's done good signings, brought in um, Jesselin Gubb being one of them. And I think he's just done really well with the team. Obviously, they had some injuries with Antonio and stuff like that. But, I mean, they've had just an amazing season. They're fifth. They're kind of back where they were for a few seasons, a couple of seasons ago, I remember when they were around that sort of sixth, seventh sort of area. And he's really that village season. Yeah, and he's really pushed them back up to where, you know, West Ham I want to be and, and they should be. And look, they're in Champions League contention now and, and definitely Europa League. So it, they've added a great season. And I know Pep's obviously won the title. Um, and But, I mean, he's done that before. And, and it's a quality uh, quality team that Pep's got for him. I mean, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, not the most amazing season, but they've had a great season. Manchester United compared to previously, so he's had a great season. Um, Brendan Rodgers for Leicester. So many managers have had such good seasons. Um but, and I mean, you can even turn around and say Scott Parker at Fulham, he's done a good job. I mean, I know they got relegated. No. <laughs> I think he's a good manager. Yeah, they got relegated. He's a good manager. But my um, manager of the season is David Moyes. He's done an incredible job with West Ham. Yeah, Moyes is on my honourable mentions. I thought he's had, it's very close between him and him and the guy I've got. Obviously, it's pretty clear. I've, I've been quite vocal in <laughs> they've won all my awards so far. Is Pep Guardiola is my manager of the year. I mean, He's just done so well with, with that Man City side. Again, recovered from a bad season to have a really good one this year. And, and just the football, they, they're so good. They're so good to watch Man City. And, and they, they've just become, arguably, they might go on and be the best team in Europe this season. And I know the, the Europe performances don't apply to this, but you, you, I can't look past Pep. But David Moyes certainly in a close second. You do mention Solskjaer. He, he was on there as well. 
as an honourable mention. And also Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds. I mean, to take a team from the Championship to the Premier League is, is hard enough as it is. I know they've had some some big spending and, you know, maybe more similar to Wolves than Sheffield United or, or those sort of teams. But he's made Leeds one of the most most-watched teams, must-watch teams every week. And, and credit deserves that for sticking to his principles. And I think he's signing an extension. I'm not sure because with Bielsa, you never know. He might be off, you know, whenever. But I hope that he gets to stay because Leeds is just fun to watch now. And even if they're not going to get Europe or get top four, for this first season, he deserves a lot of credit for sticking to his guns. And it's quite a small squad when you look at the Leeds team as well. A lot of young players in there that are being sort of bred through the system to play for Leeds. And when you look at that team on paper, you think, oh, they're not going to pull up much trees. You know, got Luke Aylin, Stuart Dallas, Liam Cooper, is Ilian Meslier, you know, all players that, you know, would be our championship standard players. But they've, they've proven with... Bielsa's guidance to be, to be better than that and fair play to them but pep for me that's, I mean, that's we, we mentioned Leeds there I mean we mentioned all these teams West Ham and stuff but Aston Villa I mean we've said how good they've been should yeah. be given given there as well for manager of the season but um, but yeah, I mean so many teams have done really well this season which is proven in how competitive you know it still is going into the dying games of the season with you know places still not secured I mean the, the titles were secured but I mean I think it still is mathematically possible for Manchester United to not finish second. So I, I think it just shows, you know, how tight it has been. And that's credit down to not only the players, but the managers at the helm of all these teams as well. Yeah, I think Dean Smith definitely would have been a mention if Aston Villa hadn't gone through. Like I know they've been really affected by COVID and stuff like that. If they hadn't gone through a real rocky state of form, Villa would definitely be in there. But Definitely, Dean Smith, shout out, to, shout out to him like he's watching. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Dave, for, for that... Uh, for that, for making Aston Villa so good, and, and I'm sure next season Villa have got a lot of um, investment there, and, and Villa could really, have, Villa could be the next Leicester, like genuinely in terms of the infrastructure. Same with Leeds, both of these sides could be up there because you'd probably consider Leicester now part of the big six, and a lot of credit to Rogers for that. Because I'd say Leicester. I don't want them to do a Sheffield, you know, when they have a really good season and they go and get relegated. <laughs> I mean, they ne- nearly got relegated last season, which is crazy to think. So hopefully, yeah, they no, keep on the um, the good transfers coming and continue the project. It's yeah, it's because it, Arsenal. When we're talking about manager season, the managers that have not struck, have not had a good season. You know, Mikel Arteta and Jurgen Klopp and, and Jose Mourinho. It'll be interesting to see in the next few years. Obviously, these clubs have a bit more money. Liverpool, I don't think, are going to be in this conversation. We're talking about teams that could no longer be in the big six. But Tottenham and Arsenal. And I know Kieran would be here to defend they are Tottenham here. Roster. Leicester, Leeds, and Villa. Genuine are are genuine threats to these teams' status as the the best six in in England. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm glad, despite all this Super League nonsense and all of this with the big big six kind of being, oh, we're the biggest teams. It's not like that when you look at the league table. And, and I'm glad to see Everton as well. Can't forget that. You, you're saying, you know, they could be a threat to the big six. Leicester are. Leicester definitely yeah. already are a threat. I don't think it's a big six anymore. I think it's most definitely a big seven, at least, with Leicester in there. I think it's a big six and Arsenal no longer in it. If, if, I'm, yeah, if, I'm a player, if I'm a player right now and I'm looking and I want to win a title, I'm not lying to you. I'm picking Leicester over Tottenham and Arsenal. I, I honestly am. You're a player. You're looking at it. If, if I'm a, if I'm anyone watching from it, and you're thinking who's, you know, the best teams. Obviously, it's easy to look at the table. But yeah, Man City definitely are. Liverpool definitely are. Man United are definitely still up there. I mean, they've had their poor periods, but they're still a great team. Um, no bias there. It just is facts. Um, Chelsea yeah. obviously, um, despite having a little bit of dip, they're still a solid team and definitely now um, under to shell. And you know. Uh, Leicester. Did I say Leicester then? I meant Chelsea. If I said I said, I feel like I said Leicester. But no, you Leicester, said Chelsea. Okay, yeah. But Leicester definitely are now up there. I mean, they won the title. They've been consistently fighting for that sort of European places in the last couple of seasons since that title win. Um, 
So yeah, I would definitely join them over Arsenal and and Tottenham, and that's no bias. And Kieran's absolutely fuming right now, but I mean, <laughs> I just would. They're they're a top team, and they probably are the sixth best um, team in the English football for the past couple of seasons. Hundred percent. Moving on, um, biggest surprise. So for this one, you can interpret this either way. Kind of the player that shocked you the most. It doesn't have to be the whole season. It can be like a period of time, most recent form. Just something that a player that really surprised you in a good or bad way. Who have you got? It's it's hard. Only one player really came to my mind. Um, and I'm sure when you talk, I'm going to go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But for <laughs> me, only one player came to my mind when I did this. And it was a positive, the most surprising. And it's not really surprising that he's a world-class player because everyone knew he was a great player. But he's really shown this season. And he's been mentioned once already. It's I.K. Gundogan. He's, he's a quality player. You know, 15 goals, I think, around that mark this season for, for you know, that sort of midfield player. And he's really shone in, in a time where they lacked that sort of striker with Aguero being out injured and Gabriel Jesus obviously being the sort of hit and striker he is. He's, he's really stood out. And, I mean, we mentioned Cavani with 15 goals. He's basically got the same amount of goals as, as Edison Cavani. And we say how, you know, of a quality striker he is. So he's been amazing and he's been a massive um, importance player. You can say Diaz, you can say De Bruyne, you can say Stones and all this, but... He's been just as crucial um, in that middle park and going forward as any other player in that team. And so I think credit needs to be given to him and, and massive um, praise to him for this title because he has been a massive impact on that. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I didn't have him down for, the, for this one. But yeah, Gundogan, he's been unreal. I mean, maybe I'm not even... The thing is, I'm not surprised by him anymore because he's been so good this season that it's just stopped surprising me. But yeah, when he first burst through and was scoring goals, it was... definitely no one can say it's not surprising that he's got 15 odd goals. I mean, for yeah, 100%. You think of him, he's a, he's a sort of a central midfielder ball winner, but now he's because I've been pushed up into that sort of you know cam sort of centre forward position at times. That is, it really has shown his um, goal scoring prowess. So yeah, he's been quality. 100% to him. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic performances in, in a false nine position. You would never have had him there at the start of the season, but he's there now. And, and Man City, that shows Man City without a real striker have won the league. You know, yeah. and, and smash the league, and, and it's it's crazy because a big a big part of moving on to my surprise, a big part of Liverpool's title win was the attack. Never really an out and out striker, but a front three that were just so explosive and so fun to watch. One of my biggest surprises this season just how predictable they've been, just how poor Liverpool's front three have been. And I know it, it all gets affected progressively. So Van Dijk's injury affects Fabinho's impact on the on creating chances as he's had to move back from centre mid. Um, but it's just it's baffled me as a Liverpool fan just watching. Mane and for, mainly Mane and Firmino. Salah has been not so great, but he's still the second top goal scorer in the Premier League. So I will cut him some slack. And Mane, you know, for the first six months of the season was was fantastic. Well, not 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 fantastic, but he was scoring goals. He was helping the ball look exposed. Firmino's been was not 100% great last year, but we was winning the league. We was winning every game, so his impact was clearly there. But this season, it's just been so predictable, so poor. And I mean, it doesn't just go come from the front three. It comes from the fullbacks. It comes from the centre mids, but just the lack of finishing. I think it was the Newcastle game that really kind of tipped me over the edge with this. That I was just like, if Manny and Firmino left this summer, I wouldn't be fussed. Like I'd be a bit like, oh, it's sad, you know, that they've had the great spell here. But it, it just it's baffled me with how, how poor they've been. Um, as, as a thing, it's not it's not my winner. Surprisingly, how much I've gone on about it. But the yeah, other ones that's in not the... your, that's not your choice. No, not my winner. <laughs> I thought your choice was Mane. I was going to say, you just turned around and said there, before you say your choice, you just turned around and said today you wouldn't mind if they went. Saying you wouldn't mind. A couple of days ago, you literally went, I hope Mane is sold. Um, this transfer. <laughs> so for a Liverpool fan to be saying that is crazy, seeing how important he's been for the team since he joined. Um, and I still think they'd be stupid to sell him. I mean, players have their off seasons and, you know, 
I'm sure he'll be a quality player again next year. But I mean, I thought he was your number one choice of being surprisingly bad. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's um, it was just I think I, I think I said that message after the Newcastle game. I was just annoyed, man. I'd have passed my driving test and drove them off after that one. But the the um, yeah, no, I just, they're aging as well. That's probably another reason why I say. But who's who's available? We don't know. Another one that surprised me was Van der Beek and how little he's played and how not confident. He kept it very simple against Leicester. I was talking to a friend after the game and it was just like, he's kept it, he, he looked devoid of confidence playing in, in that team. And this is just another one we'll mention. Is, got, is this your number yeah. one now? No, I'll get into it. I'll get into it. It's going to be kind of disappointing <laughs> when you get to my main one. He's only started two um, Premier League matches, I think, all season. And for a, what, a £40 million signing um, for the player that was, you know, meant to be the next big thing in, um, as, like, you know, that sort of midfield position. It, it's crazy to think. But, I mean, that also, people can have, you know, their own personal, people do have their own personal opinion. They, well, they can't, can't, they can. And they do have their own views on, you know, Fred and McTominay midfield. But, uh, you know, everyone knows how much I rate McTominay. I think he's a, he's a quality player. Um, and I think he's uh, really important, crucial to to the Man United team. Fred, very hot hit, um, hit and miss sort of thing, but he's really come into his own more so this season than he ever has before. He, he's top of this a lot. I know, I don't know. I always want to write stats. He's top of the stat charts and stuff for Manchester United in so many positions, or he was when I last checked. Uh, so he's been he goes under the radar. He gets a lot of slack, just like Harry Maguire does, to be honest. But yeah, Van der Beek, very. Very odd one. I think I saw rumours that Jose Mourinho wants him at Roma um, as one of his first signings, which, to be honest, I think he would jump at the chance of leaving Manchester United, going going off the outside beyond how he's been. But, yeah, very surprising. Um, it's you. But any more honourable mentions? Or are you going to... Oh, one more. Got one more honourable mention. Um, obviously, Liverpool's injury crisis brought out, you know, a lot of different players to play centre-back. But the one that has surprised me the most, Nat Phillips. He's been... He's been very good. He's been really good. And... It kind of a bright spark in what has been a terrible defensive season for Liverpool. Just that he's an old school centre back. He's not like this. He's not the ball playing defender. He's not. He's not comfortable on the ball. But he will win any tackle. He'll win any header. And has looked and really grown into the role. And when I see things about fans wanting to sell him, or people wanting because he had one bad game against Real Madrid, I'm just like, why? This guy is English, which is hard enough to get get players that are homegrown. He he's young. He's still pretty young. I don't know if he's 23. I think he might be 23. Um, and he's also just a good option. I don't think Phillips is going to moan too much about not playing when Van Dijk and Gomez and maybe even Matip or we get for Fana and, and that are back. So, I, you know, Phillips for me has been, if Salah didn't, I know what's going on about front three, Salah's still my Liverpool player of the season because just of his, without him, we would literally be nowhere. Fabinho would be second, Phillips would be third, just because of how impressive he's been. Who, in that Liverpool back four. Who's the other youngster? I always get the two centre-backs. You have two young young centre-backs. No, no, not Kabat, the other one. I swear. Williams, like, Reese Williams. Yeah, yeah, was he the one who played against Man United? Yeah, the one that looks yeah. a bit like Van Dijk. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I always get the two confused. So I can remember when sort of Reese Williams was playing and Matt Phillips uh, was, I think I got his name right then, was playing. Um, and I always got, and everyone was ranting and raving about it. And I can remember you going, and I was thinking, that's not the one that played against Man United and got absolutely destroyed, is it? Because I was thinking he was no, absolutely yeah. rubbish. But then, yeah, no, I know what you mean now. Yeah, no. No, he's been good. No, Williams, Williams. I haven't played too much, to be honest, this season, so I can't say too much. But at first, I always got confused because the other guy was absolutely rubbish when I watched him against Manchester United. Yeah, Williams was an interesting one because he'd been drafted and he was on loan at Kidderminster Harriers in, in the National League North last season. And he'd been drafted in to, to play. He did really well in all the Champions League games he played. And then it just didn't. he had an off game against Man United and just started looking a bit shaky. I think a loan spell like similar to what Vandenberg has had this season would be really beneficial to him. He's definitely, there's definitely a player there, but going from the National League North to the Premier League is, is a little bit of a jump. 
but yeah, Phillips has been very impressive and I hope he hope he sticks around. But finally, my biggest surprise, and this is going to sound disappointing compared because I haven't got as much to say. It could have been it's a podcast of, in itself. <laughs> it's more of a personal one because I thought this guy was not very good, to be honest with you, last season. Um, or last season, as soon as he left his last club to go to this club, but the goals started drying up for Leicester. Jamie Vardy wasn't scoring so much. So my biggest surprise has been the, the re-emergence of Kelechi Inacho. Yeah. So impressive. And and I thought of him as more just a poacher. He, he just scored goals. You know, that record he had for Man City where he basically scored any time he played. You know, anything in the six-yard box was his. But just did the quality of goal now. I can't remember what game it was. It might have been the Newcastle game when they lost, but I think he scored a really good goal in that one. And it was just like the quality of him. He's turned into a real player. And credit to Rodgers for this because... I didn't think much of him. Maybe that was just a bit of a blind ignorance on my part. But he's turned into, you know, he could be Leicester's front man next season considering Vardy's goals have dried up and he is, you know, approaching the end of his career. So, yeah, he's my biggest surprise of this season. You say blind ignorance there. I'm not, no, I don't think it is blind ignorance. I think it is just factually that he, he didn't have the greatest sort of starts at, at, um, at Leicester. You know, he kind of, you forgot he was kind of there because he didn't really play much. He didn't really score. And... God knows what happens. Maybe get that guy some sort of drug test right now because he is turned into an absolute king and, and he's only in the position, like you said, you kind of forget about Vardy at times now because you see him, I mean, I put him in my fantasy team and that's, that's a big uh, credit to him right there. I mean, he's done, he's done incredible at the end of the season, you know, um, taking up Rollins himself, scoring goals left, right and centre. I, I honestly was nervous when I saw the back four put out by Man United last night and saw Ian Acho and Vardy. I'm thinking they both started. I could be wrong, but I feel like they both started. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and so I was I was absolutely pooing myself at the idea of them running against that back four, especially with the centre backs. But um, but yeah, no, he's been great. And any top, any not top six, but I mean any team like Man United, Liverpool, anyone looking for a sort of that backup striker would be an amazing shout. I mean, he's probably gonna his price has probably doubled or tripled in the last you know couple of weeks. But yeah, no, I can't deny that. Um, I he completely went under my radar. I won't lie, I didn't even think of him, but. I would say, yeah, definitely been surprising. I'm not. I still stick by my choice, but definitely, probably, definitely in my top three if I think about it in terms of the most surprising. Yeah, he's been incredible. Yeah, I think Gundogan's a great shout as well. I think we've got bang on their last one. The last one we're giving up most improved. So it's a bit different to surprise. A surprise player that kind of catch you off guard. Improved as a player last season, you were looking at. Uh, he's not so good, but this season it has turned up and, and really showed out this season. So who have you got for this one? So, honourable mention, I've only got one really here. Uh, I don't want to drag it on for too long. So, uh, I think credit has been given to Diaz, but I think John Stones. Um, I don't want to do a Nathan when I drag it on too long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, John Stones. I mean, you know, everyone started doubting him. Um, there was rumours of him leaving because he did have a bit of a shocking time, a shocking spell at Manchester City. But Diaz has kind of brought the best out of him, and that's what a good uh, defender does. And like you said, with Van Dijk and Matip and Gomez and stuff like that, he brings, he, they, they make the other players look good. And, John Stones just proved himself. You know, he still has that, you know, some mishaps where he makes a reckless thing. But all, all defenders do at one point or another. It's part of the, the package when you sign a defender. So, but yeah, no, he's been incredible. But my actual um, most improved player, I don't even think it's biased when I say this. It's Luke Shaw. He just has been so good. I mean, in my mind, he has probably been one of, if not the best left back in the Premier League this season. He's been just incredible. The performances he's been putting, uh, been putting in, I know everyone can say Bruno Flanders has been Man United's player season, and yeah, probably is, but Luke Shaw is very close second. Um, massive contender for that award. And, you know, uh, I don't know if it's because he's just come back to his fitness and he's showing what Man United bought him for in the first place, or it's been the, you know, the pressure of having Alex Telles brought in, who was meant to be, you know, one 
one of the most upcoming left backs in world football. Where that's you know spurred him on to be the player he's become this season. But he's been incredible, and I don't think anyone can deny that he's been very much improved on his game in, in the last couple of seasons. And hopefully he doesn't get injured because he's going to be a massive asset to England as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think sure is he's in my honourable mentions. He, he's been so good. He's established. He's gone from kind of being in the the out of thought with Man United fans to, to being in not only Man United's best left back, but England's best left back as well. And that whole ton of credit due for him. He looks a lot better. He, he's playing a lot better. Playing with so much confidence. Fills in at that, that centre-back role well, well as well when, when they play five at the back. So, yeah, I can't argue with that one for, for Luke Shaw. My honourable mentions for this one, I'll try not to go as long. Someone I've already mentioned. Um, Jesse Lingard <laughs> is another player. <laughs> Jesse Lingard is another player who's, who's, I mean, he's improved so much last season did not look good at all and maybe that was down to his struggles sort of off the pitch but or it was off the pitch coming onto the pitch but he's been just excellent this season and again another player that has gone from maybe from being out of the out of the picture to now being you know a possible contender for the England squad in the Euros I could definitely see him getting in and then yeah, yeah, no, yeah no definitely I, I was kind of spaced out with that I was listening to you <laughs> no 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 he, he really has been like you said he had a lot of stuff going off off the pitch and obviously he spoke about his mental health issues and stuff like that and stuff that led to that um, an interview since but he's become a brand new player in a way and, and he's shown sort of what he was for that season season and a half Man United when everyone fell in love with him and you know I, I really want him to come back at Manchester United and, and own his position I think you know Bruno Fernandes can't play every single game I mean he's been so good but he does look fatigued at the moment and, and Jesse Lingard is a perfect alternative for that position you know he can play in the cam he can play at wide he can play really much anywhere in midfield and yeah I rate him so much and I hope his connection with the likes of Rashford and stuff means he stays at Man United. And so, yeah, but, you yeah, know, definitely, definitely a player that England will rely on heavily, I reckon. But like you said, that's a very in-demand position where Jesse Lingard likes to play in that England team. Yeah. Um, my other honourable mention, another, I've spoken about Man City about seven billion times already today, but the, the another position, another player that's kind of gone under the radar there is, is Zinchenko. I think he, he's really established himself as a, a real Man City calibre player. Not Obviously not world-class, but he's he's... Brought on and at times he looked like the weak point in Man City's team, but he's no longer that to be established himself as not only a good Premier League left back, but a good central midfielder in the Premier League. He deserves a lot of credit um, in that Manchester City side. But I'll, I'll not let you wait. The most improved player in the Premier League for me, and it, does, it doesn't even technically apply to the Premier League because it was in a different league last season where this player was getting, you know, slaughtered and, and critics all over the place. It's Patrick Bamford. For me, you know, when Leeds got promoted, a lot was said about Bamford's ability to miss big chances and and not if Leeds want to stay up, they must replace him. He's not good enough for the Premier League. He's been there before, he's failed before. But this season he's come in and he's just proven to everyone that he is a quality striker. When he, at least when he wears that lead shirt, he, he turns into a quality striker. and he's, he's a good character off the pitch. You see his interviews after the game. It's something that people look forward to. And, and just he's such a clinical finisher. The way, the way he finishes gracefully, I always find with Bamford, it, the finishes always look good. They're not, not like powering him home. He's, he's just stroking him home. He's just finding that in, in the in finding the corners and I've been really impressed with him you know I had faith in him we talk about fantasy team from the first first day onwards he's been in my fantasy team not that I've checked it for about two months but he has been he's been an excellent part and he's been such an important part of that Leeds team the reason why they are so high in the table for a championship side getting promoted and so all credit to him and Bielsa for, for that to happen yeah no I, I, I agree he's been great Pause in that, going back to Man City, like you said, Zinchenko. I mean, we've, we can praise every single one of the defenders, but Joe Cancelo um, can play right back, can play, I thought he said his name on, but can play left back, right back, can play in the central midfield park. I mean, he's been he's been great as well. If you mentioned the left side of Zinchenko, I think um, he needs to be mentioned as well. But um, 
But yeah, that's just a whole Man City team we basically praised today. <laughs> going back to Bamford, um, yeah, no, once again, it's, it sounds like we should be winning the Euros when we say this, but he's another player that England really will be considering. I mean, I know we've now got 26 men that we can now take. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see if he goes. I'm pretty sure he missed out to Watkins um, in, in the friendlies. Mm-hmm. So we've now three extra men to take. I mean, you know, he's got to be in with a shout of going maybe, um, depending on what Southgate chooses. But yeah, he's been incredible. Just like um, Watkins coming in from that championship. It's just showing you that the that you don't have to look elsewhere and globally for talent. Just look in the league below the Premier League. There's some great strikers. I mean, Ivan, T- T- Tony, whatever he's called for Brentford, um, has been great. And it'll be interesting to see if he, um, you know, comes in up with Brentford or gets transferred away. I know a lot of teams want him like Arsenal. But yeah, going to Bamford, he's been incredible. Um, he's been a major part of the Leeds team. He's clearly really heavily rated by Bielsa and, you know, they rely on him a lot. And he's that sort of spearman up front. I mean, if he gets injured, who's their backup striker? I don't really know. I, don't, I, don't, they, I think they play maybe Rodrigo oh, there. He's yeah, a striker there. for Valencia. Yeah, I was going to say that. For them now, but. Yeah, but I mean, he's been so crucial like, and it's it's probably good thing he didn't get injured because, I mean, Rodrigo hasn't had the best of seasons. He had an okay, but he's not been the best signing in the world. Um, but, you yeah, know, Bamford's been great and the future of England looks so strong. It really does. Because Bamford yeah. is still young um, and obviously having him and Watkins fighting for that England position. But yeah, no, Bamford's great. And once again, if, if Leeds do have a sort of a Sheffield season, Bamford's definitely a player which is going to be on the radar of so many teams if, if they do uh, start to dip. Because Bamford, he's, he was a, very much a, a player that, you know, he's been around for a fair few years, really. Um, thinking, is he good enough for Premier League or not? And I think he's finally proven that he is good enough for the Premier League. And, and it'll be interesting. You know, a lot of teams need strikers. And so Leeds will do well to keep hold of him. Yeah, there was a, a real, he's a part of that Chelsea system where, you know, they're loan players out constantly. He's going to a new team every six months. But it's great to see now he's found a permanent home where he can show just how talented he really is. And, I'm, and you know, it's glad it's with Leeds because it's a nice club to have, have in, in the Premier League. And I'm glad that he could be of a help to them and help them establish themselves in the league. And, and that England position, I mean, we'll definitely do a podcast about this, but the the amount of options they have up front, I think Wilson's just been ruled out with injury now. But I mean, Danny Ings as well there. I mean, Calvert-Lewin is probably a cert to go. But I mean, there's so many options for just a lot of different positions. It's just a shame there's still gaps in that England team because if if there wasn't, it would be such a strong. Team. I mean, just we got what Harry Kane, Calvert Lewin, Ings, Watkins, Bamford. I mean, you've got um, Tammy Abraham's. You know, I know he's played loads. Yeah. But he's out. I mean, you know, Rashford normally plays that wide, but you got Rashford, you got Greenwood, you got all these players that can play up front. So, you know, it's, we could win the Euros. Come on! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Bamford's a great shout. And that wraps up the One Two Football podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We are now available on all major podcasts and social media platforms at either One Two Football or One Two Football UK. Also, take a look at One Two Football.com for the latest written pieces from our growing list of contributors from around. The world. We'll be back next week.